0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast a view of culture, current events and politics through a biblical lens with your hosts Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation.
1: Very happy to be back with you folks for another week of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Roger and Neil and John myself Bob Duco. by the way welcome back Neil how was you, uh, Memorial Day for everybody. Had a wonderful
2: time. Staycation actually, but we had out of town guests, so love yeah. it. Yeah, right. yeah.
1: Very cool. Very cool. We were,
2: we were living vicariously through Neil. Were you? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope that uh, I hope that everybody took some time to really remember and honor those who gave their lives for this country, rather than just the vice presidential. Hey, have a good long weekend, everybody. So mm-hmm. you know, sorry for my cynicism is creeping through, but I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to see that. Vice President Harris at least uh, did a little bit of damage control. It's like, oh, oh, maybe I better put out a, uh, a tweet honoring the veterans after all. So here we are, another week. And this week, everybody, we're going to talk about the January 6th riot, the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol building. You might be thinking, Bob, really? Wasn't that like nearly five months ago? yes. It was. You would think this would be old news, but it's not. The Democrats are continuing to push hard to try to get a congressional investigative committee and commission put together to spend all of 2021 doing nothing but investigating January 6th. Uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez says that she still, this many months later, is, quote, in therapy over this. Uh, President Joe Biden continues to bring up january 6th trying to turn this into a date that will live in infamy saying that january 6th is not only the worst attack on the Capitol since the civil war but it's the worst attack on our democracy since the civil war and there comes a point where it's like what is going on here that january 6th is being elevated to this level so we're going to kind of talk about a lot of different aspects of January 6th and, and try to understand what is the proper context for us to to put this in. Now, let me just say my thoughts immediately. One of the really irritating things that the liberal left does, and they do it well, all right, is uh, they'll exaggerate your position, an uh, opposition p- position in one direction or the other somehow. Uh, in straw man argument kind of ways. Like, for example, if somebody murders someone else, we would all say, oh, that's a horrible tragedy. Absolutely. But if someone tries to claim this was the worst massacre in all of human history, then I'm going to say, no, that's not true. It was not that bad. Then the liberal Democrats go, oh, so murder doesn't matter. It's insignificant that this person got killed. huh? You're just dismissing this murder. No, we are not. And that's what's happening with January 6th. If we try to put it into context, what we hear from the left is, oh, so that was just nothing. That was insignificant. Uh, you're just dismissing it like it was no big deal. No, we're not. These people broke the law. They should go to jail. Absolutely. But I'm sorry, it is not the biggest threat and attack on our democracy since the Civil War. That, to me, is what's getting absurd from the liberal left and so I kind of want to go around the table first of all and and just get some of your uh, guys immediate overall thoughts on on January 6th how we contextualize this Uh, let's not go to one extreme which is to say that it's nothing and insignificant obviously let's not go to the other extreme which is to say it was the most cataclysmic event in the history of humanity uh So if we can just kind of start. John, let me start with you. Of course, John Rush Rush to reason out of Denver, Colorado. I don't think any of us are saying that this is no big deal what happened on January 6th. These were mostly, it appears, Trump supporters who pre-planned this thing and— Although they had no guns, they pulled no guns, they didn't shoot anybody, they didn't kill anybody, bottom line, they still physically, with violence, forced their way past police, broke windows, busted in, and scared the daylights out of the people on the inside, trespassing, and any way you cut it, that is wrong. They should go to jail. I don't think any of us are minimizing that.
3: No, Bob, you're 100% correct. We're not going to minimize any of that. On the same token, it would be nice to know were there any other outside uh, you know forces parties involved with the you know if you would the you know the the excitement and the you know gearing up of what was going on there? It really would be nice to know was there any other factors? surrounding that. Do we need an independent investigation and, you know, so, you know a, a special committee by the president or by Congress to do so? No, those things can be done independently and figure out exactly what's going on and bring those folks to justice if, in fact, those things that I just said did, in fact, happen. And to your point, anybody that did those things that, you know, bro- you know broke in uh, you know, trespassed the things that, that they shouldn't have been doing in the first place. Um, yeah, th- those folks should should be brought to justice. Now, there are those out there, and this is something maybe we should talk about, that would say, wait a minute, don't, don't the citizens own all of that property in the first place? Is that not, you know, public property? And that's probably a debate we could talk about here in the podcast itself. I, I don't know that I have a, a particular opinion one way or the other on that. I I would not have been an individual that would have entered the Capitol, no matter how How bad things got or how riled up people were, I personally, Bob, would not have entered.
1: Right. And I would not have either. I mean, it is a violation of law. You do have police there that say you're not allowed to breach this barrier. And so to physically push your way past police and physically uh, engage in an altercation with them and then breaking windows and climbing in windows and such, this is wrong. This is illegal. We certainly do not justify that, uh, so there's no doubt. And we're kind of getting that on the table first. And you're right, John. It would be interesting to know also how many of those people were actually really Trump supporters. How many right. of those people right. were outsiders, instigators, and in trying to? And you know, I, I mean, I don't have a problem acknowledging that some, most, if not almost all of them, really were. Trump supporters who just let their emotions get the best of them early on and pre-planned this thing in an inappropriate way.
3: Uh, Agree. But, uh, But, you know, i will throw something else out to you guys as well that we should also talk about because these are things that I have heard, you know, on my program and I'm sure you guys have as well. And that is, you know, if we go all the way back to the founding – of the country and the quote-unquote insurrection that happened back then and the things that, you know, if you were to be a news organization reporting on what happened in 1770, whatever, four or five, you know, if you go back in time and you look at when the first shot rang out, you know, would the reporting be the same then as it is today? My point is there's a lot of folks out there that really feel like this was something necessary to wake up, quote-unquote, you know, the country to make them understand what really is happening on the left and the fact that, keep in mind, we go back to the basis of this, was they felt like the election had been stolen from them. And frankly, guys, um, you know, I will say that was there a lot of things that were wrong with the election? Yes. Was it, in fact outright stolen there are those out there that believe that i am one that says no we just didn't get enough votes on our side to counteract all of the the illegal activity that happened on the other side which by the way i want to remind everybody happens every single election this one wasn't unique maybe there was more of it than there would have been otherwise but again the point being the reason all of this happened in the first place is because there's there were folks out there that really felt like this thing was stolen and they were basically making their point made clear which by the way
1: for what it's worth, I actually am one of them who does believe it was stolen. I think it was stolen by the media with false reporting. And I think it was stolen by fraud that was large enough to make a difference of a few thousand votes in some key states that would have made the difference. Now, I could be wrong. I'm open to that. We'll see. But even believing it was stolen, that doesn't justify. Therefore, let's break the law. Let's. Uh, uh,
3: well, so then let me, throw this out the you, uh, let me throw this out to all of you guys. When does it? I know I get
1: that Boston Tea Party. And I mean, I, I think those are fair questions to ask. I really do. Uh, does there come a point where we where we resort to the same kind of lawlessness that they engaged in in the Boston Tea Party to say, no, taxation without representation. We're not going to accept that uh, elections being rigged and stolen and taken away from us. No, we are not going to accept that. We're going to rise up civil disobedience, if you will. But uh, I, I, I look. I think that's a fair question, John. I, I, I really do. I, and truthfully, I kind of grapple with that a little bit. Where is that line I drawn? Agree. Does there come a point where where civil disobedience is justified? I would argue it was justified with Jim Crow laws and segregation and mm-hmm. with black people and you know something. I would have been somebody who would have violated the law and said, "No, I'm going in this restaurant anyway with this black friend of mine and arrest us both." Uh, that's civil disobedience uh does this rise to that level with January 6th? Um, I, I guess I tend to say no, but I'm open to the possibility that I'm being too wimpy about this. Uh, I mean, uh, Neil, Neil Boron, of course, who decided to grace us this week coming back from his vacation. Yeah. So, uh, Neil, what's, what's your take on that? How do we figure out where that line is drawn between justifiable civil disobedience?
4: I think
0: we're – a long way from it at this point, but I do think there is a line somewhere, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, you know, prior to the founding of our nation, you had those who'd come over from Europe living under tyranny. And, you know, there was an effort to break free of that, to experience religious freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, all of the things that we hold dear. And and so that resulted in the founding of our nation, the development of the U.S. Constitution, which provides um, – a civil way to go about dealing with you know our redress of grievances including voting elected officials out of office i mean we have a voice we the people can speak obviously there's other factors that come into play now like social media and the mainstream media which i agree 100 percent, bob did everything in their power to distort information uh, leading Mm -hmm. up to this election so there were a lot of factors that came into play and You know, I think it's uh, New Hampshire has the catchphrase on their license plates, uh, live free or die. I mean, it was a famous quote from the time of the founding of our nation. And um, it's for some people, it rose to that level. I think it was probably in the neighborhood of five or six hundred people, 400 of which have already been arrested. Um, But. But I think that people in the nation were beginning to scratch their heads saying what is freedom worth to us and how far are we willing to go to protect it? I just don't think that this was the right time to deploy any kind of violence because I don't think they had a strategy. I don't think they had a plan. And I don't think it was called for or
1: warranted at this point. Yeah. Uh, Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. What's your take on this in in an opening general sense?
2: Well, I think uh, my first take is I, I feel like that game show announcer. It says, "We'll be right back after this
1: commercial break," but I think we need to take one uh, quickly here before we <laughs> get is, into it. You so. know what? That is a great point. As usual, one of the four of us has to be able to tell time, <laughs> uh, and so let's do that. Let's take a short break, and then we'll uh, continue this National Crawford Roundtable next.
4: Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Bank teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the TruthfulLife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
1: Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with Neil Boron, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco, and the Time Master, Roger Marsh. (laughs) Bottom line, uh, the People's Republic of California talking about all things January 6th. And so, uh, yeah, Roger, what is your take on the point that John was making earlier that you know, doesn't there come a point where, just like the Boston Tea Party, we say, "Look, we need to engage in civil disobedience and defy the authorities." Okay, live free or die. And if we believe this election is stolen and rigged and fraudulent and such, then we're going. We're not going to pull any guns. We're not going to shoot any people. We're not going to kill anybody. Uh, but we are going to basically force our way into the Capitol, even if it means pushing through police. I think they were wrong for doing that. But what I have said that about the Boston Tea Party people too.
2: Yeah, well, you look look at the times and look at the context. I mean, when you look at the Boston Tea Party, there was mm-hmm. definitely a colonial rule here that you know we were being lorded over by England. Here comes the tax. I mean, people were getting frustrated with the rule from all the way across the pond. Nowadays, we are a nation of rules and laws. We have court systems. We have ways for for fighting these challenges or making these challenges, I should say, legally. And and I would love to have seen every you know challenge you know exercised and maybe exhausted before it came to this point. Do I understand the sentiment? Absolutely. There's no question about it that there was frustration. It seemed as though, well, how did we get so many more millions of votes cast? How did Joe Biden get so many different votes when he won like 40 counties? I mean, it just, it, it really, everything just smelled to high heaven. And in the research that we've all done collectively since November 3rd of last year, we've seen that there, there's a lot of uh, impropriety, a lot of kind of funny stuff. I can't think of a better you know, phrase for that than that. And yet there are some other things too that, that did happen kind of under our noses. No one was anticipating that laws would be changed and rules and this, that, and the other thing. But I think it's something I want to pick up on uh, something Neil said with regard to the media and the way the media reported this, which would lead to a number of people feeling this frustrated. And then, you know, when you're in a crowd of people, you know, uh, crowds don't think, crowds react. If a few of people around you are doing this and you get caught up in the spirit, you're going to go ahead and charge too. It was certainly not a military coup. I mean, talk to the folks in Burma about that. I mean, they know what a coup is like. We did not have a coup. It wasn't at all. But the, the idea that when it comes to the you know the, the, the media hype, the media is so disingenuous. And I and again I, I hate to keep patting ourselves on the back. I don't want it to sound like we're doing this because you know we're we're being so you know dig us. But the 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 lying that comes to the media, I got a headline yesterday, I think it was New York Times, was talking about the fact that there, there, Texas had some voting laws, you know, that they were trying to pass. The Democrats walked out of the legislative session and Georgia had passed some bill. And so now here comes Joe Biden on his white horse with his cape on saying, I am here with H.R. 1 to protect voting rights and to make sure that we don't go back to Jim Crow and this, that, and the other thing. If you've read H.R. 1, it's a federal takeover of state regulations for voting. Right. I mean, there's nothing good about H.R. 1. And yet the media fawn on over this. Oh yeah, you know, we're going to have a big problem in Texas if Joe Biden doesn't intervene. We're going to have a big problem in Georgia if they don't because all those laws are sending us back to the Stone Age so the 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 just flat out lying of the media no wonder so many people were frustrated when you've got the media saying Joe Biden won fair and square and you know something smells weird about right. it I can understand I, I can understand the passion I don't know that we were at Boston Tea Party point just yet but I mean, quite frankly, I wouldn't have gone, you know, over the railing. I wouldn't have jumped because what do you do once you're there, right? You don't have a plan. I mean, if you're right. really trying to, to bring about some change, taking Nancy Pelosi's laptop is not going to bring it about, you know. But at the same time, I understand the passion. And, and, and all we hear from the left is it's all about passion and feelings and emotions and things like that. Don't conservatives get to have some of those emotions,
1: too? Yeah. No, look, it's a fair point. And by the way, Roger, I am glad that you have retired your buffalo hat. <laughs> uh, and, and, but, uh, no, but you know what, but you make a, a, a great point though about the media. And look, I admit this is extremely frustrating to see an election that I would call it rigged. I really would by the media as, and that doesn't even include all of the other fraud, but I just want to remind everybody media research center did, a, did a survey after the election And they went to Joe Biden voters. These are people that cast their vote for Joe Biden. And they informed them of the Hunter Biden story. Uh, and, And you had a big chunk of them said, we didn't even know about this story. But then they were asked... If you had known that Hunter Biden was under FBI investigation and the FBI has his laptop in their possession, and him getting millions of dollars from Burisma during the time that his dad was in charge of Ukraine and ordering Ukraine to fire the head prosecutor that was funneling this money to him, even though he had no experience, and blah blah blah, when they were informed of this story. Uh, The overwhelming majority of Biden voters said I would have still voted for Biden, but 4.7% said, no, I would not have voted for Joe Biden. These are people that were on the fence and, "Ah, and I leaned toward Joe Biden. I went with him it would have swayed 4.7. Some of those would have voted for Trump. Some of those said I would have voted for nobody. But the bottom line, you take 4.7% away from Joe Biden and mathematically he wins Pennsylvania, he wins Wisconsin, he wins Georgia, he wins New Nevada, he wins uh, Arizona, and he becomes a statistical tie in Michigan. And that's just with that one story. Media Research Center cited five different stories said how about this one plus four more and they included to that three positive stories about donald trump like being nominated for three nobel peace prizes donating his salary to charity and such uh when you include all eight of those stories those biden voters 17 percent say i would not have voted for joe biden if i had known these stories, positive and negative, 17%, this now becomes a Ronald Reagan, Walter Mondale landslide for Donald Trump. So that is a rigging. I can understand the frustration of people, but I, I'm I'm with you, Roger. I don't think this rises to Boston T-level status, but truth is I, I can understand the, the frustration that people experience. And John, it does seem like it's not crazy, wacky conspiracy theory to say that the we have a legitimate reason to question election integrity and honesty in elections, not just from the media, but from potential fraud.
3: No, we do. And, And again, I, I'm like you, Bob, do I believe there was enough fraud in certain areas of the country to change the outcome of the election? I think you'd have to be very inundated by the press and believe anything they tell you, to think otherwise I'll just say it that way because I think you know common sense and there's enough factual evidence as Roger and Neil both have stated to look at some of this stuff and yourself you know by the way to look at this and say yeah there was enough things going on that we all know this election was not done in a in a clean and orderly fashion, let's just say it that way. It was far from that. Now, what were all of the things going on behind the scenes? Well, frankly, there's some of those things are being flushed out you know, as we speak, with even still today, recounts and investigations and things along those lines. And I wish that we, from the which is not going to happen. This is a pipe dream, I know. But I wish we had as much focus on the things we're talking about there as what Pelosi and Biden are focusing on with the insurrection. That's what I wish. Oh, I know. Tell me about it.
1: All right, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Sing another short break, and then we're going to move on to some other aspects of January 6th, and that's coming up next here on the National Crawford Roundtable.
4: Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through family talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org. And be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk.
1: Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit, with Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh from the Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, talking about all things January 6th. And, okay, so guys, we've explored at least the frustration behind The people who rushed the Capitol on January 6th were in agreement that that was a wrong thing to do. They should be held accountable for this. But we should not just dismiss their concerns and and pretend that there's not some legitimate things to be frustrated and angry about. I think that there are, but they handled that the wrong way and they should be held legally accountable for breaking the law. We all get that. Now, let's talk about the Democrats' strategy of exaggerating January 6th. I I look at this and I think, okay, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the de facto leader of the Democratic Party, she gave an interview just recently, nearly five months later, saying that she is still, her words, in therapy over that day. Uh, she said as well that she's dealing with Trauma of this, and that the legislature, her being a part of, has in essence, quote, served in war. And I'm thinking, wow, what an insult! to uh, here we are just post-Memorial Day to the people who actually really yeah. did Amen. serve in war. Amen. Okay, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez <clears throat> wasn't even in the Capitol building. She was in a separate office building a quarter mile down the road. Not one protester stepped foot in the office building that she was in, and she's so traumatized that she still needs therapy and she feels like she's served in war. Uh, this, to me is not only laughable it's obscene and by the way she's not traumatized over the black lives matter and antifa protests which by the way have actually really killed people, left people bleeding in the streets to die, uh, has attacked federal courthouses, federal buildings, shut down police stations and such. No trauma over that. No trauma over the Lafayette Square rioting that injured 150 police officers and the president of the United States had to be taken down into a secure bunker. Uh, She's not traumatized over that, but this, yeah, apparently so. So uh, what are some of your thoughts guys about uh about the over exaggerating of this and now we have to have a, a congressional commission to investigate this all through the year of 2021 I I'll throw my opinion out on the table and then I want to get your take I think they know full well this is not as big as they're playing it to be but they want to perpetuate the perception that Republicans conservatives and Trump supporters are a present uh, a clear and present danger to the threat and a threat to the United States government and to america and the american way of life they want to perpetuate that perception that's the reason they're maintaining barbed wire and soldiers around the capitol to cause people to constantly think that we're under constant danger and threat from those evil right-wingers in this country that's a perception i think that they're creating and that's why they're trying to milk this thing for everything that it's worth maybe i got a cynical attitude here anybody wants to chime in i'd love to get your take
3: Bob, you are 100% correct. And again, as I said earlier, if we focused on some of the things that we really need to focus on, uh, and by the way, there's so many things we could get into and talk about that the left doesn't want to even... Uh, mentioned by the way if we were focused on the things that we really need to to get the things back on track that need to be taken care of we would be having a different conversation this morning is this blown out of proportion i believe it is completely you know everything aoc said and you 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 know you said it very well and more eloquently than i would have i mean i would say it this way you need therapy for many other things not the (laughs) january 6th insurrection that's what i would say
1: yeah i don't fault her getting therapy i just fault her getting therapy for this reason exactly uh roger what's your take well yeah to echo
2: what you and john both said i mean we, we could do a whole conversation uh, maybe we'll do an hour podcast just on the lack of resilience of the millennial and generation z right now I right. Mean, with you know the aoc and naomi osaka and gosh the pressure's just too much for me but i want to be able to tell you what i think but you can't criticize me i mean that's a that, that's a huge problem when you consider that the millennial voting block is now the largest voting block in america as baby boomers are getting older and you know, not not eligible, able to vote anymore because you're not around. Um, yeah, this is uh, they, they need Donald Trump. They desperately need Donald Trump. I mean, that's the only thing they've got. CNN's ratings are way down. The Democrats need Donald Trump. And so if they can pin this on Donald Trump, and, and the, he, he's the leader of all this type of stuff. I will throw this out, though, just as a caveat. I realize that for people who are godless, and I don't mean that sarcastically, I mean you know, for people who really don't have a biblical worldview, uh, you know, the, the White House, the Capitol building, the rule of law, the Supreme Court—that's the most important part of their world. And so, if someone does try to break into this building, it would, sh- you know, shiver the timbers of a lot of people. Who, in the same way, it's kind of like breaking into heaven, you know, or breaking into the, the the Vatican or something like that. So I can understand why it's not an excuse for having a commission. It's not an excuse for moving forward here. But you can see when. When godlessness is the order of the day, and we become the alternative lifestyle as Christians, there are going to be more of these types of situations where people are like, "Okay, well, you could shut a church down because of a virus that may or may not be harmful to people, but oh my gosh, somebody broke into the Capitol! This is the end of the world!" You know, I like know. A, I, can un- I can I can understand it, but it's, it 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 doesn't excuse it, but I can understand it.
1: All right, let's do this. So we're coming up on the bottom of the hour, and uh, we've got a lot more to talk about this January sixth stuff, including Joe Biden saying that this is the biggest threat on our democracy since the Civil War. Uh, Did Donald Trump actually instigate and incite this? And, And so a lot more to investigate on this in the second half. Now, you can listen to the second half of this podcast only online. And you can do that by going to crawfordmediagroup.net or you can, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, which we would love if you'd give us a nice five star review or Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll continue the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast next.
0: This has been a Crawford Broadcasting
1: Production continue in the second half the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil boron Roger Marsh John Rush myself Bob Duco we're talking all things January 6th right now and the continued Perpetual milking of this event on January 6th by the Democrats number one let's keep it fresh let's keep it alive let's keep Donald Trump and his supporters as the boogeyman let's maintain the perception and create the perception in America that conservative Republicans and Trump supporters are a danger and a threat. They're the real danger in this country. Let's remind everybody of January 6th. Oh, and uh, by the way, while we're at it, let's exaggerate it and make it bigger than it actually really truly was. Uh, I want to ask you guys about the comments that joe biden has made on this as you know during his joint session of congress a few weeks ago he said that january 6th his words was the biggest assault on our democracy since the civil war and i'm thinking to myself okay so that means that these few hundred idiots storming the capitol was a bigger threat to our democracy then four presidential assassinations since the Civil War, then the Jim Crow laws, then both world wars the Pearl Harbor attack, the Bay of Pigs, the Vietnam and Korean Wars, the Cold War, where everybody was concerned about mutually assured destruction between us and the Soviets, 9 11, Al Qaeda, ISIS, the war on terror, all of that pales in comparison. To a few hundred idiots who were unarmed, didn't shoot anybody, didn't kill anybody, didn't even pull a gun, but violated trespassing laws and pushed bas- past the police to get into the Capitol because they were frustrated, but still didn't kill anybody in the process. That's To me, this is incredibly tone deaf and clueless, uh, but this is what Joe Biden said at his joint session of Congress, and it seems to me... If Donald Trump had said something like this the other way around, all we'd be hearing from the Washington Post is this is lie number 24,001, and wow, what a whopper it is. But you know what? It's Joe Biden, and he just, uh, Neil Boron, he just gets a pass, it seems. Yeah, well, um,
0: <laughs> this is exactly what we talk about every single week on the podcast. I mean, that the mainstream media buys into whatever lie is being perpetrated at the time and i mean joe biden said what he wants all of america to believe that you know this is this was as big as or bigger than some of the things you mentioned i gotta i gotta share a couple quick quotes um deborah burlingame i don't know if you guys know that name i i didn't know it until i read her opinion piece in the wall street journal but she's the brother of chick burlingame who was one of the pilots on um, american airlines flight 77 um He was murdered in his cockpit at the age of 51 after a six and a half minute struggle for control of the airplane, according to the article. Um, So she obviously has vested interest in describing, you know, her take on this whole thing. And she's obviously flabbergasted that anybody could compare it to something like 9-11, which was, of course, you know, referred to by the president and others that, you know, we did a a 9-11 like commission to deal with this whole thing. She said, uh, the world-changing attack of September eleventh, 2001 shouldn't be used either as a precedent or a moral authority to create a commission whose sole purpose is to turn a straightforward law enforcement failure into destructive political theater. I thought that was telling. She she mentioned in her opinion piece, look at, uh, you know, uh, Wall Street shut down for several days. The entire airline industry shut down. We still have soldiers in Afghanistan. 200-some-odd people jumped 80 to 100 floors to their death to escape the flames of what was going on. Thousands of people lost their lives, 16 blocks of of lower Manhattan destroyed. I mean, that was a world-changing kind of event and there's some people trying to say that this was the same type of thing. Um, She went on to say this other quote, it's deeply offensive and sad that the brutal and harrowing memories of the worst terrorist attack in American history, being 9-11 of course, are being deployed by political partisans. They're using 9-11 not as an example of what the American people endured and overcame together but explicitly to divide, to stoke hatred and further a political agenda aimed at stigmatizing the other party, that's us, and marginalizing ordinary Americans from participating in the political process. That's the real threat to democracy. And I just want to stand up and give her a standing
1: ovation because I think she nailed it. Yeah, no, I absolutely do, uh, too. Roger, what's uh, what's your take on that? What's your (coughs) thoughts on Joe Biden exaggerating this? I can't imagine if Donald Trump exaggerated the... Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests in that way, to say that they were bigger than 9-11, bigger than Pearl Harbor, bigger than World War Two, Nazi Germany, bigger than the War on Terror. That, to me, is just insane that biden gets a pass on this
2: yeah he gets a pass on that because the media don't does not do their homework i mean the media doesn't look at the numbers i mean everything you just described you can look at the dollar amount of destruction from the blm and antifa riots from all of last year and and how the media remember the cdc guidelines for all of a sudden relaxed but it was supposed to be okay to go out and protest because well this is good for america and it's really healthy when you look at the number of people who were there i mean to say that this is the biggest and worst and whatever i think harkens back to my earlier comment about the fact Fact that people like AOC don't expect that they're ever going to have to mesh with the normal people, they're the actual constituents that they have. They go to fundraisers, they post for pictures, they do cute little videos on Instagram and, and Facebook and social media, and and they get elected. And that's just they're in such a bubble that somebody burst the bubble, and all of a sudden they went, "Oh my gosh, what does that smell?" Well, it's oxygen, you know. I mean, they're coming inside from what was outside. I mean, they really don't have any, uh, they don't have any recourse now. In terms of Donald Trump getting a pass or not getting a pass, we got used to four years of. Uh, you know his hy- you know hyperbole and you know the b- embellishing facts and and oftentimes you know he was spot on and people just didn't want to hear it and other times you know he would he would jack up the numbers a little bit and then the fact checkers would come in and this is the thing that just frustrates the heck out of me remember the the election they're calling it the big lie that Donald Trump had because the election was not stolen well okay it wasn't quote-unquote stolen but it, it was manufactured it was I mean there was all sorts of stuff happening behind the scenes that would that would make any sane person say wait a minute okay they changed these laws with Zuckerberg threw 350 million into this and they bought off a few politicians and lobbyists and they were sowing the seeds for this and all they have to do is tell the left well we're doing to save democracy and all of a sudden yes let's save democracy by creating communism I mean I, I don't understand I don't understand that at all but Biden's for him to actually go in front of the public and apparently assume that at least 50% of Americans are going to believe him because they don't do their homework. Well, it makes sense. The media don't do their homework as we've seen recently with regard to COVID. I have been reading uh, David Leinhart's uh, the morning column in the New York Times and all of a sudden he's trying to come across as this more moderate centrist, you know, thoughtful type of guy's headline today. We look at the effects of the CDC's mass gui- guidance on COVID cases and vaccinations and we're encouraging hope over fear. Wait, Now you want hope in COVID? Are you kidding me? But these are the same people who said, you know, anytime something could come out of the White House, we would dismiss it out of hand because it came from a Republican. They didn't do any homework. They, they're not following up on these claims. It's just, oh, Donald Trump said it, it must be a lie. Tom Cotton said it, it must be a lie. Mike right. Pence said it, it really must be a lie. And so, you know, for, Biden can say that and get away with it because 98% of the media are complicit along with him. So, I mean, but, uh, here's for us being the 2% that say, hey, look, we'll call out our guys when they screw up. But if, the, you know, if you, you've you got to call truth, truth. You've got to call facts, facts.
1: Right. Uh, you know, I, I'd love, to, John, to get your... Take on this. Something else I was thinking is that uh, Joe Biden not only said this at the joint session of Congress, he doubled down on it the other day. And instead of saying it's the worst attack on our democracy, he said it's the worst attack on our capital in history. And I think to myself, wait a minute. If you look at just the capital, you had in 1954 a Puerto Rican terrorist group opened fire during debate in the House of Representatives. The Weather Underground group exploded Mm -hmm. a bomb in the Senate in 1971. You had another left-wing group carry out an attack like that in 1983. Uh, In 1998, John, there was a gunman that opened fire at a Capitol checkpoint, killing two Capitol police officers. Remember, in 2017, Republican members of Congress were attacked on that uh, baseball field. Steve Scalise nearly lost his life in that attack. And, of course, just last month... In May, you had this Nation of Islam follower who drove his car into two Capitol police officers, killing one of them. And I'm thinking, those attacks on the Capitol are smaller. Than these few hundred people that weren't even armed, let alone killing anybody. Not to mention, if we're going to talk about an attack on democracy, how about the yeah. Russia collusion hoax and the rigging of elections? It seems so. Uh, this is Joe Biden going over the top in his exaggerations mm-hmm. and getting a complete pass.
3: He gets a complete pass on all sorts of things. I mentioned yesterday too, guys. You know, not only Bob is he getting a pass on that end, but you know, he got a pass over the weekend for. Basically, having a speech and there's a you know a family there and he's talking about how beautiful a six-year-old girl is and you know yeah. she's standing you know she's sitting there with her legs crossed. Keep in mind the girl is standing, not sitting, and you just have to wonder what is going through Joe's mind as he's talking about those things and wh- how big of a pervert is this guy really? Because frankly, I think he's a huge one. Uh, that's a whole another discussion we could have on well, another day 19. talking about him and his son. Well, she yeah, looks he looks nineteen. She looks 19. Her legs are crossed. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you know, you're giving a pass, guys. If anybody, anybody, not not only Donald Trump, but if anybody on our side said something along those lines, it would never be forgotten. This guy gets so many passes from the news media and, and his party. It's ridiculous.
1: I know, it really is. Tell you what, let's do this another short break and we'll continue this discussion on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast next. Learn how to
4: walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford broadcasting station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is one hundred percent listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support, and let them know you heard about the Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
1: Continuing on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast with myself, Bob Duco, uh, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, talking about all things January sixth. So, one of the one of the arguments that we're hearing is that. Donald Trump, of course, he ignited this. He's the one who ignited this insurrection with his rhetoric. Uh, let's separate fact from fiction here. These few hundred people that stormed the Capitol, according to the FBI, they pre-planned this long before Donald Trump gave his speech or anything like this. So you had thousands of people at this Trump rally. Those thousands of people were, were there peacefully. They obeyed the law. They were letting their voices be heard. And Donald Trump even said to the crowd, who was planning on marching to the Capitol, but marching to the Capitol in a perfectly appropriate and legal way as the Constitution grants people the freedom uh, to petition the government for redress of their grievances. Okay, well, it's like we are petitioning the government for redress of our grievances, saying we, are, we think it's wrong. This election should not be certified because we think that there were election shenanigans. Now, whether Whether they're right or wrong, they have a right to let their voices be heard. And Donald Trump even said to them, as you peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol, and he said to let your voices be heard, not let your fists be heard, let your voices be heard. And he said, encourage, to encourage those who are supporting us. How in the world the dishonest left-wing media can somehow interpret that into Donald Trump incited this riot that took place that was already pre-planned from people before Donald Trump ever showed up there or even put his speech together in the first place is beyond me. But this is what people believe. Neil, you can go out and do a survey right now of 100 people, as 100 Democrats will say, and ask him, did Donald Trump incite a spontaneous riot with his words? 98 out of 100 are probably going to say yes. And it's like, they don't even care what the truth is. Yeah,
0: and it's troublesome because it surely isn't what happened. And I think the, you know, you need to march peacefully and and patriotically thing is proof that that's what he had in mind. On the other hand, you know, because somebody just said it a minute ago, we do call out people when they make mistakes on our side of the fence. And I, I personally believe that he was irresponsible in the way that he handled the whole thing with uh, Mike Pence. Did he really expect his vice president to go down there and pull some unconstitutional whatever he was supposed to do to overturn the results of the election, then threw him under the bus when it didn't happen? I think that was a weak moment in Donald Trump's presidential history, and I think it's going to go down as such. However, all of that said, these people had a right to be in Washington, D.C., to to let their voice be heard, to let America know that they were unhappy with what was going on, and to, to let Congress know that they wanted them to take whatever look they could and whatever final look they could before certifying the results of the election so but but the mainstream media media is never going to report it that way no one's ever going to really see it that way and that's what the vast majority of american people are going to believe except for the national covered roundtable podcast where we say wait a second there's more to this story that you need to see so uh i do think I do think that Donald Trump at some point was kind of gloating, saying, huh, well, that, this, that's what you want. This is what you're going to get. And that he came to his senses a couple hours later and began to step in and say, all right, look at, you know, knock it off. This can't be going on in our capital. This isn't how we operate. But I think he had to be pushed to that point. And so I do think I'm less than proud of him in that moment. That's my personal opinion. That's where I stand on it. However, however. This was not anything close to 9-11. These were people acting on their own accord. I don't believe for a minute that any of this was coordinated with the president or with the knowledge of the president in advance. I think that's a bunch of baloney. And if you really, and by the way, on the issue of being armed, uh, the FBI came out and said they found no guns. Apparently later a D.C. police report, the D.C. police arrested one guy or at least detained one guy who was carrying a 9 millimeter Taurus Um Handgun, uh, but it was something that he had apparently for his personal protection. That's what he claims. He didn't use it He didn't fire it Um, Other than that, I mean you've got people carrying flagpoles and some other objects that might have been construed as weapons I guess one guy had some uh, pepper spray Uh, Somebody else had a taser some type of a taser gun So there were people carrying some things that could be interpreted as weapons and I don't think we need to overlook that But we're talking about like I think they said three dozen out of, what, five or six hundred people that got inside the Capitol. And and you said thousands at the rally. I saw one report that said there was 700,000 people at the rally. So we're talking about a tiny fraction of people that lost their mind and went crazy and did things that all of us, admittedly, I'll add my name to the chorus. I wouldn't have jumped the fence. I wouldn't have been in the Capitol building. So none of us would have done that kind of thing. And I think the average American wouldn't either. I don't think any of us approve of what happened that day and would love to see it never happen again but at the same time what the democrats and the media want us to believe happened didn't happen
1: you know i uh, I, I get what you're saying about donald trump i i'm going to push back a little bit though donald trump is so hyper analyzed for everything that he says or doesn't say that uh, to me it almost seems kind of unfair that the guy the guy said peacefully and patriotically uh that's what he said the, the uh and after the fact okay when when he kind of had a little bit of a tone of well you know what this is what happens you know something we see this with the black lives matter and antifa riots that happen all the time okay uh, these riots take place and what do the democrats do they number one they say well it's just peaceful protests and the number two they are constantly doing. They well. Hey, you know what? What do you expect? You got systemic racism in this country. You know how many how many uh, black people have to die at mm-hmm. the hands of white police officers until we start taking action and recognize the systemic racism? And they are constantly saying in so many words, "Hey, this is what happens. This is what you get," and they get a complete pass on that. I don't even think Donald. Trump, I mean, yeah, could he have worded it? Perfectly, yes, but I I think we have this expectation of surgical precision and perfection with Donald Trump's words, and we we don't tend to give him as much leeway as I think he, as a non-politician, ought to get. He certainly has way, way, way less of a margin of error granted to him than any of these Democrats who rattle off reckless that's and incendiary language all the time. It's true. It's true, yeah, and you could and, be right, but I disagree. But go ahead.
0: All right, that's all right.
3: It, well, and I think, you know, to kind of, dove, I, by the way, I think, uh, Neil, um, gosh, where do I stand on this? I'm going to go back farther. I think a lot of what happened, and and I'm not pointing blame, I'm just explaining what I feel, in my view, happened uh, surrounding all of that. I think Donald Trump, and we've talked about this on our podcast in the past, I think he surrounded himself, unfortunately the second half of his uh, presidency with a lot of yes men and yes women where they basically told him what he wanted to hear not what he needed to hear and frankly not at times what was really factual and I think when it comes to even some of the things surrounding the election and what was constitutional and legal and some of the advice that he was getting on both of you know on on those particular topics frankly guys I think we have determined was was wrong it was erroneous it wasn't factual and what some of the things that were being told to him In regards to what Mike Pence frankly could and couldn't do because I really feel like had he been told the truth as to what Mike Pence could constitutionally do he probably would have worded things differently so if you really want to go back to what happened here it's frankly and by the way these are mistakes leaders make on a regular basis in church and in organizations it's they surround themselves with yes men they're not Mm -hmm. putting the right people around them to to check them on what's going on and really give them an honest opinion and factual data on what's happening And if you want to go back in time and really blame anybody, blame the people around him that were feeding him false information.
1: You know, it's interesting you talk about the yes-men thing, though. I, I, John, I would agree with you partially and disagree with you partially. The, the, I, I would agree with you that toward the end, he started surrounding himself with more yes-men. Early on, He actually did the opposite. Uh, Donald Trump, his general management philosophy has been, let me surround myself with the biggest, strongest, most independent-minded thinkers who uh, aren't afraid to say, no, I disagree with you, and here's why. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why he had such turnover early on in his presidency. I agree. Because— He's like, I- I'm, I'm going to surround myself with strong independent thinkers, not weak-minded people. I think, though, what happened, on.
3: Bob, is the news media and, and all of the fighting and battling he did on one side of the fence finally wore him down to the point where – He was tired, and and by the way, I can't blame him. I'm not pushing blame. I'm just giving, again, my feelings on what happened. I think he just got so tired of fighting the battle on one side, he didn't want to have to fight it on the other. And in a way, because of that, he let that get the best of him. And I'm guessing if you were to sit down today and have a good, you know, just frank conversation one-on-one with just, you know, you and him, that he would probably tell you some of the things that we're talking about right now. I do believe those are some of the mistakes he made towards the end, maybe not the last half, but at least the last year of his presidency. Uh, he, he, I think he just got tired of fighting the fight and then just maybe nonchalantly started to surround himself with people that always agreed.
1: Well, and okay. you know, what? I'm not sure I wouldn't have done the same thing, though. I mean, you got so many people speaking to the media, and there comes a point where it's like, you know what? Maybe I need to be surrounding myself with some some loyalists who so I don't have to worry about backstabbing me, writing a book after the fact, and running to the media with leaks. So I, I, I can kind of understand. Trump I agree on that. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I, I'm not sure. No, and, I'm and again, I'm not, I'm not.
3: I'm not saying right, wrong, or otherwise. I, I'm just giving what I think my yeah. opinion is on what happened and, and I yeah I'm not I'm not it, faulting it, I, him for that It's just my explanation yeah sure.
0: and I think it's a good explanation just for the record I think it, it's plausible because it because I saw the weariness in Donald Trump, his actions and the things he was saying at the end I think a lot of people saw that but I think that's what opened the door to some degree of recklessness and I think that's what I'm trying to explain in my estimation right. where he where he was at fault on January 6th was he at fault for the whole thing no but was there some recklessness I personally believe there was
1: All right, let's take a quick break and we'll spend our last few minutes together on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
4: Dr. Michael Youssef leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
1: Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast as we kind of wind it down today with Roger Marsh, John Rush, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco, talking about all things January 6th. Uh, Roger, I'd love to get your take on, on the comparison, the contrast between January 6th and the Black Lives Matter Antifa riots and the rhetoric argument that's being made. What we've heard from the left is that even if Donald Trump didn't cause a spontaneous insurrection on January 6th by his words because it was preplanned, he certainly— cultivated the ground and built up to that because when he would declare things like this election was stolen, this election was rigged, it was fraudulent election, blah, 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 that this this is dangerous incendiary rhetoric that's pouring lighter fluid on tensions. And so therefore, he he kind of caused, if you will, that anger of people to carry out the January 6th attack. Now, if that's the argument, then it seems to me, Roger, Let's apply this consistently because after 2016, we repeatedly heard from the left, this election was stolen, this election was rigged. That's exactly what Nancy Pelosi herself tweeted, quote, this election was stolen. Okay, they uh, Russia collusion and everything else. So the left said that repeatedly, delegitimized that election, said Trump wasn't the legitimate president. And then you get to Antifa and Black Lives Matter, what are these people protesting, the, the, the rioters, Antifa, Black Lives why are they carrying out these acts of violence? Because they believe that America is systemically racist and that law enforcement is systemically racist. Not that there's individual racists in law enforcement, but it is systemic throughout law enforcement. Well, guess what? Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the Democrats repeatedly use the term systemic racism. In other words, they reinforce what it is that Antifa is angry about, Black Lives Matter is angry about, yet... Nobody seems to point the finger at these Democrats and saying you're pouring lighter fluid on the riots because you're voicing the very sentiment that the rioters themselves are claiming is true. How is that any different than Donald Trump saying, I believe that this election was stolen and rigged through fraud? Why is he not allowed to say that to reinforce that belief? But Democrats are allowed to repeatedly reinforce the belief of the rioters. Well Bob, I have to
2: say this every episode but you're a hater. That's all I, that's the only reason I get you're filled with hate. The fact that you would even bring that up, the fact that you would even insinuate that people on the left and the progressive side are are somehow uh, Complicit with all this. I mean, we all know, right, that the Black Lives Matter rallies, when they were infiltrated by these Antifa and these protesters, the peaceful protesters weren't the ones burning down buildings and throwing rocks and throwing the quick drying cement, you know, in the coffee cup at the police officers, et cetera, et cetera. That was all the bad guys who came in and infiltrated. So don't blame this movement. On the the, the rea- for the reaction and stuff like that, but when it comes to the capital right, oh hell yes, it's all these <laughs> Donald Trump supporters out there storming the castle and burning things down, and what you get my point a little bit of sarcasm there but obviously what's good for the goose should be good for the gander it should be evenly applied it's not leftist what's the old expression if it weren't for double standards leftists wouldn't have any standards at all I mean that's basically what it boils down to now I'm really digging the conversation about you know the complicit nature of you know what did the president say anything in that moment that incited the riots of course not the people who were going to open the doors and storm the castle it only takes a few and then other people can just be coerced into it. I heard the attendance was over a million. I talked to people who were there leading prayer groups and Bible studies. There was a board member from one of the major ministries that's on all of our stations, was there, and said, Uh I didn't hear anything of it. I texted him and said, Robert, are you seeing this? He goes, seeing what? And I had to send him video to show him what was going on at the Capitol because he had no idea. He said, where we are, there's none of that going on. But, you know, in the video world where a headshot can make you an Instagram star, all you need is just one little image and then it just goes nuts because the media goes crazy with it. I will say this, though, with regard – I was appreciating the conversation about – um, you know, the, the president and the, the the rhetoric, as it were, you know, and the weariness and the frustration. He definitely turned into Donald Trump's CEO and not Donald Trump president in the last, I'd say, four to six months of his presidency. I mean, he was doing things to protect Donald Trump's brand more than the American brand. Otherwise, he wouldn't have run all the attack ads in Georgia saying the election was it was a fraud and your vote really doesn't matter. And it left the door wide open for Democrats to win both seats. And now we have this supermajority for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I really, 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 really wish that the president in his team of advisors had at least one person who had the chutzpah of a Kellyanne Conway. I mean, remember in 2016, he was changing campaign managers like on October 10th right? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, yeah. he went through two or three right up until the very end. She steps in and all of a sudden the messaging was on point. The, 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 the presentations were there. He was in front of the right people saying the right things. And when he had the Giuliani, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis crowd, quite frankly, they're all Trump cheerleaders. And so basically yeah. he says, get me yeah. the election. And they're going to say, okay, well, here's a way we could do it. Here's a way we could do it. And quite frankly, I mean, as much as we know and love and appreciate Jenna, Mike Pence practiced law for 11 years before he ran for Congress in Indiana, before he became governor of Indiana, before he became vice president of the United States. If I have to go head to head and say, who knows the Constitution better? My money's on Vice President Pence, I mean, in all honesty. And so the idea that the president grasping for straws and trying to save his reputation say yeah i can i can rally the people but it's basically all about me now and not about you i, I that was hard for me to swallow and watching people that we know kind of in that circle of influence saying yeah yeah we're going to keep beating the drum at some point he had to ask the question okay yeah. yeah he needs some people who support him he needs some people in his corner who are going to be loyal but if they're lying to him they're not really telling him the truth that's not really helping
1: yeah well I agree, you know Roger. i uh and maybe i'm just being too much of a a Trump apologist here I, I don't disagree with what you're saying but whenever your side loses the post-mortem is usually brutal and, and but we got to remember something here if this had been a fair and even game okay if if there had been no fraud that was able to get along with, but Bob, but Bob with,
3: real quick it never is And our side has got to understand that and run a campaign to compete with that. Because if that's what we're wishing for, we have our own pipe dream we've got to get over.
1: Yeah, but don't you think it's been – don't you think that this election, the 2020, was – in my personal opinion, I think it was worse than it had ever been before. The Democrats used yes. COVID as an excuse yes. to have yes. mass mail-in balloting across yes. this country, which, which which puts a, a fraud on steroids. And that the media – we know they're dishonest. But I got to tell you, they have been way more overt – lately than they've been in the past but, but bob, here's, here's my about
3: point it. though bob if you i neil and roger who was talking about the things you just mentioned long before the election and people started voting ever came around knew that why didn't his campaign know that
1: i know and look I, i'm with you on that okay all i'm saying is that if if the 2020 election had the normal standard amount of liberal but Democrat it wasn't frog, going to is
3: my point so why I, think that well, Because it wasn't going to. So why would anybody in the world run a campaign thinking what you just said was okay, that, going that was to be reality? Because it wasn't going to be.
1: OK, then, then it basically the standard becomes normally we have to get 110 percent of the vote, but now, now we, we basically need gotta get 140 percent of the vote. <laughs> Whatever the okay. number. Yes. Thank you. Right. Yes. Well, that's what we should have done. I'm just saying if the fraud had been more of a normal amount and the media had been more of their normal bias, Trump would have won by a landslide and the talk Agreed. would be, wow, look at what a genius he was in managing everything. Uh, but because it's a loss, although a stolen loss. Now, suddenly, let's take let's take every misstep and let's blow that up into something that's catastrophic. I don't know what the answer would have been as far as the media is worse than they have ever been. I know that. And the fraud opportunities exploded because the Democrats exploited covid for that. How do you overcome that? If you're on John, what would you say if you were in Trump's circle? What would you say to overcome those two ugly realities?
3: I would have had him much more prepared going into the debates. Which, by the way, somebody yes. really, really, really screwed up, and I think it really affected his outcome. Because uh, remember, those these are these are weeks in front of the election, not months. Mm-hmm. These are the things that people that typically don't watch and pay attention to the things that we do daily. You got to remember, there's always these fringe individuals that only vote off of information they may be getting last minute, because frankly, they're just not that tuned in. And it's very, very important running campaigns that. That you message correctly, especially those six eight weeks prior to the election, which frankly his uh-huh. team screwed up royally. In I'm, I'm just going to be now, frank, guys, they it. did no, not do that it. correctly. Right. No. I, so I so had I, been, had I been had I been an advisor to him, I would have told him, listen, well, you know, we have got to change up majorly your persona and how you're viewed by the American public, and you're going to have to be somebody that, frankly, people learn to love, not need to learn to hate. Yeah. But uh, you know what? Honestly, John,
0: John, you may be 100% right, but I'm not convinced that the people didn't say that and that he just got, he completely lost control, went off the rails yeah. and became Donald Trump. And that's that that's, that's what you're going to see. In the, I think he might have learned his own lesson because in the second debate, he certainly cleaned up his act a bit and stopped, you know, mm-hmm. going on the attack of every little fact and detail and stuff, right. and, and seemed much more poised. But can I just, uh, I got to jump in with one other thing here and, and just say, you know, what Roger was saying earlier, what some of you guys have brought up, the idea that Trump surrounded himself with yes men, and that there were some mistakes made, that he got carried away at the end, that it became more about him than about the American people. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because once you were talking about the stats earlier uh bob and you were saying that there are a number of people if presented with true facts could have been convinced to vote otherwise the election could have been swayed if those people could have been reached i think that we have an obligation to be careful to make sure we point out these kinds of things on a regular basis and not overlook them just because we, we like what trump had to say about certain you know uh, ideologies certain beliefs you know mm-hmm. certain conduct in america that kind of thing and be, for this reason I'm not a mountain climber but I've watched a couple of really good documentaries <laughs> but I know if you're going if you're going to scale the side of a of a big mountain you got to have a good toehold a foothold you got to have something to grab onto and I think when we talk this way and say look at Donald Trump clearly made some mistakes and got ahead of himself and started thinking on his own, not listening to other people, and, and those were mistakes he made. Once we admit that some mistakes were made, it gives a bit of a foothold for others to go, well, maybe they're not crazy after all. Maybe these right. are not the people that are in favor of you know, blowing up the Capitol or putting pipe bombs at the Republican and Democratic headquarters. What was that about? But anyhow, I think you get the point that I, that, that I think that there's room for growth and that there's people willing to listen, particularly in light of where the Biden administration is going on so many social issues that were just like – even the average American, not, not even a Christian evangelical, says, right. "Are you kidding me? Right now, where is America headed?" And I think that provides a toehold. No,
1: you know. And, and I, by the way, it, I, and by the way, I agree with you, dude. I, I I do. I I think we need to acknowledge mistakes were made. There were some mistakes made. I just want to be careful not to. Uh, OK, well, then let's join the circular firing squad here and just you know, suddenly we, we make our we make a disproportionate focus on all the flaws and mistakes of Donald Trump instead of how rigged the system is against conservatives in this country. Because that's a very frustrating thing for, I think, a lot of people. But uh
3: well, you know, but you, you bring up a great point, maybe a future topic even for us here, which is, okay, great. Now, how do we go into 2022 and 2024 right, knowing right. the things yes. you just said? Because the reality is that's there. It's going to continue. It's not going to get any better. So what do we do as conservatives to combat that and still win?
1: Yeah, no, and you know what? That's <laughs> I fully anticipate us having probably at least one or two podcasts specifically devoted to that. What is the strategy going forward? Uh, my goodness, what happens to? The time. Uh, folks, listen, we always appreciate you listening to us, of course. You can go to the national, uh, you can go to Crawford to listen to past episodes. Uh, Crawford Media or, of course, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And uh, Roger, I know that you're getting ready to enjoy that new uh, Kellogg's All Together cereal uh for the for the month of <laughs> June okay where, where you got i mean talk about talk about i know this is kind of a side note here but Talk about offensive, really. The LGBT groups get furious if you dare accuse them of going after our children. And then here's yet another example of let's have uh, whatever, Toucan Sam and the Rice Krispies guys and uh, the little Frosted Mini Wheats. And, of course, Tony the Tiger, you know, LGBT, they're great, you know, and waving the rainbow flags and putting the little he he, him, she, her, and then blank lines on the side. Hey, write your gender identity for the little children on the Kellogg's boxes. I I just think it's disgusting to see how our children are being targeted by the very groups who would say, don't you dare accuse us of targeting children. We're watching you. Anyway, I had to get that off my chest. Uh all right. Thank you. <laughs> <Forward> to... <laughs> you know what, though? I do have a hankering for some If you look at that cereal, they look like little heart-shaped Fruit Loops, okay? <laughs> and I'm not trying to make a pun here. I'm not. I'm just—it uh, th- th- looks like they took Fruit Loops and just shaped them into little hearts and— so basically, Bob, what cute. you're saying is sometimes the stories write themselves. <laughs> sometimes sometimes they so do. <laughs> uh, make up your own pun, everybody. It's the Crawford National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you. Looking forward to next week. Thanks, Bob. You bet. My hey, place, Bob. take Thanks care. Sure. Uh, we'll sit, talk to everybody next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. This
0: has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast
2: app. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.